So just sit back and relax. You'll laugh with the laughs. We're animaniacs. Bonus. And welcome to SMPD, the podcast where we look back at the cartoons that shaped our childhoods. Uh, if you haven't guessed from that intro already, and theme tune, come to think of it, which you've just heard, we're looking at Animaniacs this week. Yeah, Animaniacs, it was one of those, I remember it coming about, I think it was probably towards the end of me watching some cartoons on Saturday morning regularly, mm -hmm. I think it was about the time I started playing football. Um, but yeah, it was one that I always remember loving it, and it's a, it came on and it was instead of um, Tiny Toons. And I also thought Tiny Toons were just a bit, sort of, no, a bit rubbish, and it was a bit of a watered-down version of the, the Looney Tunes stuff where, you know, no, both Bunny didn't shoot anybody and um, yeah. nobody got hit on the head with the shovel. Whereas Animaniacs was just the complete reverse of that. It was very irreverent and it was very much slapstick and kind of violent in a very good cartoon sort of way. Yeah, it came at, um, came at an odd time for me, Animaniacs. Um, and I bounced off it pretty hard originally. I remember as, as a kid when it first came out, I mean, we're talking early 90s, I guess. Nice I think I was, oh, I was just about to say, I think I was about 12, 13. So perfect. So I, I was starting to get to that point where cartoons are for kids which is a phase we all go through yeah. what an idiot i was um and animaniacs especially um i guess i was just completely in the wrong catchment zone for it because looking back on it now as an adult and, and in the years since i've come to love the show because the humor is yeah. just way above the level of, of anything you'd expect in a, in a cartoon but as a 12-year-old looking at it, because it was so zany and so slapstick, I was like, that's a kid's cartoon. Yeah. You know, there was no, uh, you know, some of the other shows we've talked about, uh, things like Dotanian and stuff, where there was a, a lengthy narrative that you yeah. get involved in and everything felt quite weighty. This was a bunch of guys running around. It's, it's essentially a Three Stooges act for most of the show. Yeah, I mean, the the whole premise of it was that you had the, the Warner siblings were locked in the Warner Tower for uh -huh. sort of... 50, 60 years and they escaped in yeah, 1992 yeah. and they just ran this variety show and it was basically yeah. just clips and from the way they've sort of, um, the way they've sort of described it um, on Tinderweb is that they were kind of filler and you'd have three actual stories so it'd be a Pinky and the Brain yeah, or I mean, Buns of Mindy yeah. or whatever you'd have three stories and then they would kind of fit in with a song yeah, or the a Warners were or, kind of the, yeah. the wraparound I mean yeah. I do remember there were episodes where it was just the Warners yes. just the Animaniacs <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, but yeah, it, it did have that kind of um, almost like a sketch show kind of feel to it. Now, consequently, as I say, I bounced off it pretty hard. I was never really a fan of Animaniacs as such. What I did love, and obviously we're going to spend, I would imagine, the majority of this podcast talking about it, I did love Pinky and the Brain, yeah. as did everyone, I think, uh, hence them spinning off into their own show. Yeah. Um, so, so that was enough for me to kind of watch it, but it, it never really grabbed me. Um, as I got older and looking back on it and I started to appreciate some of the humour, I mean, I love this show immensely. Yeah, now. I mean, there's there's a joke I always remember. It's one of the earlier, uh, yeah, excuse me, it's one of the earlier episodes I remember seeing, but um, they're on trial, the Warners are on trial and the younger one, is it Wacko, the Scouse one? Yeah. Um, he's acting as their defence attorney and you've always got this sort of fairly heavy John Lennon sort of... Um, He's definitely meant to be a Beatle. Yeah. I don't know what <laughs> just why just, that choice was made. No, I don't either. It's a very bizarre one. But the joke I always remember was he's swearing in Yakko on the stand. And he says, do you swear to the rant? Yakko goes off in this massive rant about something else. And he said, what's the question again? He said, do you swear? Yes, I do. Well, you shouldn't. It's not nice. <laughs> and it's that sort of level where as a, as a kid, you think, oh, that's funny. Yeah. And as an adult, you're thinking, 
Okay, that's what they've done there. That's actually quite clever. It's incredibly good. Uh, and there's, you go yeah. back and watch it as an adult. Um, I mean, the, um, the majority of them are available on Netflix now. But you go back and you, you look through them and you think, oh, bloody hell, I missed that. Because being whatever it, whatever it would be, head. completely missed a lot of the jokes. Whereas you watch it now and think, fucking hell, you, you wouldn't get away with that now. Oh, no, definitely not. I mean, it, it's... Um... So much of this show has now become meme-worthy in, in the interim, but I guess the most famous one is the, is the fingerprints gag, mm. which <laughs> you wouldn't get away with that, I don't think, in a sort of post-Watershed no. adult sitcom these, this day and age, let alone an animated show. Yeah, that's it, it is pretty risque. Yeah, and I mean, the, the whole thing of, of the show is that it was, it was, it was designed as a kid show. It was, um, I mean, Steven Spielberg was one of the, sort of the, the leading um, figures behind it. I think uh, he just ponied up the cash, didn't he? Wasn't it an no, Amblin production? It was, it was an Amblin production, but he was actually quite instrumental in getting it off the ground as well. Um, because there's a quote from him on Wikipedia, and it's basically talking about how um, cartoons have become very soft. So the cartoons he'd had when he was a kid, and we've talked about this on Who Wins when we've talked about this on the Hannibal Era and stuff mm-hmm. like that used to have these cartoons that were very funny, very slapstick, and ultimately very cartoon violent. And that had kind of gone away. And you, when you got to Tiny Toons, that was kind of the, the epitome of that. It was a very safe yeah. sort of environment. And he wanted to go back to having this mix of slapstick comedy and faux violence, mm. um, but not to an extent you know, where you have like, you know, South Park where it's all gore and shit like that. Yeah, yeah. To have this sort of faux violence where somebody will get hit over the head with a, with a club and they'll have a, you know, a lump come out of their head and have birds spin, which he hadn't had for a long time. Mm. So he was actually one of the, sort of the key figures behind it. But as, as a result of that, the production values were that much higher than a lot of the stuff that was going on at the time. It's insanely um, well animated. Like you look at it and like the stuff that's a bit, the stuff that's on um, Netflix now and stuff you can buy, it's all in 1080. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you're looking at stuff, stuff that's nearly 20 years old, like, even then, they, they animated every it's, frame so, so yeah. the characters actually move. It's insanely well animated. It's, it's, like feature quality animation, yeah. and that's one of the things it's attributed is that you know, it's attributed to Spielberg the fact because he was behind it, there was so much money involved in it. But they could do that, and because of that, it holds up so well. As you look at some of the contemporary Disney stuff from the time, stuff like Darkwing Duck and things, which it ran against, yeah. again, they hold up in their own way. And like we've talked about um, about that on Who Wins as well. But you look, you compare them side by side, and the way they actually look and the way they're animated, and there's a hell of a difference. Oh yeah, certainly. I mean that that. The, the Disney Afternoon stuff then, as yeah. it's known, that that was Disney's B team. It was yeah. it was always they were treated as the redheaded stepchildren. They yeah. they didn't get to work on the features. Whereas this is this stuff is feature quality animation. There's no doubt about it. And as you say, it's crisp and it's it's vibrant. Yeah. Um, but more of it than that, I think the reason when you watch it now it still stands up is just because it's so well written. Yeah. Um, it, it is incredibly witty and it's it's a very as you say it harkens back to an old fashioned. It's Kind of, I said Three Stooges, but I think it's probably closer to the Marx Brothers kind of kind yeah. of comedy that, that's in there. And it's the the one liners that get thrown out in this show yeah. are so fast and furious. Like even the ones that don't hit, you don't notice because you're onto the next gag immediately. It's just gag after gag after gag. Yes, much in the way again, like the old um, like Walt Disney's animated shorts used to yeah. be originally. Um, and that again, ironically, given given my love for the for the subject now that. Initially, when I watched it, I just kind of I saw it as old timey. I, I specifically yeah. remember, and the design of the Warners themselves—they look like nineteen thirties cartoon characters. Yeah. Now, while we're on that, that, I'm going to interrupt you there. While we're on that, if you wiki this, the original design—they were ducks. Ducks. They all looked like Plucky Duck. 
Wow. Um, and it was uh, Tom Ruger, I think his name was, who was the um, the showrunner. Mm-hmm. Um, he basically he wasn't convinced by it. He went back to Spielberg and saw that I'm not. This isn't working. I don't think it's right. They're not. They're not different enough. They're not wacky enough. And they they, um, they took the designs of stuff he'd done when he was in college and some sort of characters he designed never done anything with, and they became the Warners. Um, so it's there is a picture somewhere. I'm trying to find it because um, we. I don't think we ever actually find out what they are. I, I assume they're kind of dog-like. Yeah. Well, I assumed they were canine. Um, Ah, okay. Yeah, I, I assumed they were canine as well, but that, that's never really explicitly said at any point. No, it's not. Um, as I said, I'll just read the, the section of Wikipedia under pre-production. Before Animain X was put into production in 1991, various collaboration and brainstorming efforts were thought up to create both the characters and the premise of the series. Um, Warner, Warner's being duck characters. Um, the, the senior producer Tom Ruger drew in the college years. The characters from the series were created. They're shown to executive producer Steven Spielberg, who decided what the characters um, and designs came from various sources, including caricatures of other writers. So I, I got it wrong. Tom Ruger actually designed the ducks, um, yeah. but it was, they I didn't realize Spielberg had been that hands-on. No, I didn't either. I thought the same as you. I thought it was just no. Like, with, because um, it always um, felt to me like it was. It, it doesn't feel like a Spielberg project. No, but it feels like an old, an old school Warner Brothers yeah. project. Um, I, I yeah, I kind of thought it was the same as um, when you know, Spielberg quote unquote did Taken and he did um, yeah. uh, Band of Brothers and yeah 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 he's the other just, just ponying up a bunch of money yeah he's, put, he's putting his name to it and then that's kind of it yeah um, but no he was actually instrumental in getting it off the ground which I hadn't right. realised um, and that's amazing um, but yeah so sorry for interrupting for that but so the, the design of the characters is it, it evolved from what it was supposed to be and thus I'll put the um, I'll, I'll tweet the um, the picture of what they what they were originally going to look like. Yeah. Um, so you can see that because it's absolutely amazing. Um, but yeah, so I think you're right. I think I mean I, I remember loving it at the time. So there's a slight age difference. It's probably about two years between us. Which would probably um, be about the right catchment. You would have been yeah. about ten at this point, and I, I'm sure as a ten year old, I'd have been all up for this because it's people hitting each other with mallets and dropping anvils on each exactly. other. Exactly. I loved it. That's it, and I think that was kind of where where it hit me. And, but at the point where you sort of starting to get where I say cartoons of the kids, and you're kind of trying to grow out that point. Yeah. yeah. Um, and so I came to sort of at the end of the demographic. But looking back at it now, you look at sort of the fan base I had at the time, and it was it was massive, not only with um, was it two to eleven year olds, so a fairly wide mm-hmm. demographic. I think it was the second most popular show after Power Rangers, which came out at the same wow. time. Um, but also in the twenty five plus market, which I can totally get. Yeah. As I say, I I, I came back full circle on it in later life, ironically through love of Pinky and the Brain. Mm. Uh, and I felt like watching some Pinky and the Brain. And so I, I sort of fell down the rabbit hole of watching some of the old shows. Yeah. Um, I, they, now I love it. It's incredible. And it was, I mean, you can see now the, the genesis of a lot of the quote-unquote adult cartoons that we yes. have today. And you can see it starting there. It was so far ahead of its time. Yeah. And I mean, you had sort of, glimpse of glimpses of it in the older Hanna-Barbera stuff. Um, where there would be some, like we've talked about before, um, some of the sort of fourth wardrobes and stuff like that you used to get in the Flintstones. And so, um, yeah, that was no, they, there were hints towards that sort of thing, but you never really had an entire show which was just, fuck this, we're going to do it anyway. Oh, I mean, and this, that's what yeah. this was. And by the time you get to South Park and Family Guy and all the sort of ones that have followed, you think, fuck no, this is kind of where you it can came see from. the influence. Yeah, I mean, this. This show doesn't so much break the fourth wall; it just completely refuses to acknowledge it exists. Yeah, it's an immersive Address the camera. Um, they they're very aware that they're cartoon characters in a cartoon world. I mean, there's even uh, what's the squirrel? 
Um, oh, um, Slappy. Slappy Squirrel's whole premise is that she's an old cartoon character and yeah. he's able to, to teach her young nephew the, the ways of cartoon physics and things like that. Yeah. They, they know exactly what they're doing. And everything's... So, even uh, we talk about the adult humour and the innuendo, there's, they know they're doing it. It's all done in a very nudge-nudge, wink-wink way. Yeah. To the point where Yako would address the audience directly yeah. every time they do one. Yes. Um, they know exactly what they're doing there. Yeah. That's it, and I, as well as that, they, they were quite some quite topical things that like they, they were referencing to Clinton every couple of weeks and things like that. Clinton's in the opening credits, isn't he? Yeah, he's playing the sax. He's playing the saxophone. Uh, and yeah. then you've got the the, uh, the Hall of Presidents song, which comes up as Charles Clinton, obviously from the time. Yeah, um, that's when no, that's when it ran. That's when uh, he was president. But I think there are probably half a dozen jokes throughout throughout the run of the show where Bill Clinton is mentioned, or Bill Clinton pops up to again give one of these really crude one-liners mm. that, as a kid, you're thinking that's the president. As an adult, you're thinking, "Fuck no, that's Bill Clinton. That's a bit." Yeah, that's I a mean, bit that, money. that is that is the only only thing now is, is looking back on it, almost twenty years old now. Really, this show? Well, um, no, it is. It's older than twenty, 20 years, years old. old. Yeah, it's more than twenty years old. And you look back now, and at the time, it was obviously very on the button and very culturally relevant. Yes. And you look back now, and it's it's kind of a bit of a time capsule. Yeah. Uh, to the point where I think we're of a generation. Where we can enjoy that because we lived through it. Yeah, I think if you were looking at people who are now in, I guess, the early to mid twenties and below, this is going to be completely lost. I, I don't know. I think the, I think as a society, we're a lot more culturally aware and a lot more meta in terms of our entertainment than we ever were. So I think that you could, if you know, you, you could come to it and so they, and you could appreciate, even if you didn't appreciate the the Warner segments, you could appreciate. The jokes within them, you can appreciate some of the, the shorts and the pink mm. in the brains and buttons of Mindy and Slappy Squirrel. You can appreciate that for the comedy that's in them without necessarily getting hung up, hung up on the fact that it's talking about a president who hasn't been in office for eighteen years, seventeen years. Um, so you can you can kind of get around that. And as I said, from from our perspective, being that couple of years older, I mean, you look at that and say, okay, well, fair enough. We're now looking back at a time where, okay, I didn't understand that joke then. No, now we now. now yeah. Um, so yeah, I think it's, I think it still stands up, even though sort of culturally it's well out of date. I don't think the content of some of the jokes dates, but I don't think the humour dates, and I don't think the, oh, the no, shorts the, date. No, the humour doesn't date, but yeah, I mean, certainly, again, like the the fingerprints joke, for example, um, it's not in bad taste. I know, I know Prince is dead now, but it's not bad taste. It's just Prince really, as an artist, no pun intended, ceased being a thing. Yeah. Around the late nineties, early two thousands. Yeah, um, I mean he was always still there, but yeah, but he was I mean, not popular. No, that's a, yeah. At that point, there was a, there was an existing fan base, there was an existing audience. Yeah, and there wasn't any real desire to go out and engage anyone new. No, and, and at that point, um, just the simple act of, of drawing Prince there, drawing a caricature of Prince, everybody watching would go, ah, that's Prince. Yeah. Whereas maybe to a modern audience, you draw a caricature of Prince, they might go, who the fuck is that? Or they decide it's racist or. Yes. That is yeah. Richard or something. Now it's well, yeah, exactly. It yeah. could, you know, it, yes. that could be. I see what you mean. Yeah, um, um, but is. I mean, on on that as well. Just touching on on you saying about the songs and stuff. That's the other thing that really stands out in in this in terms of production value. Is there's a lot of music in this show. Yeah, I'll come on to that. A lot of diegetic music and the songs are excellent. Again, yeah. these feature quality animation yeah. songs. Now, one of the one of Spielberg's main contributions, apart from his name and so the the early production work, is a his insistence that every episode had at least one original score in it. Really? So I think there were, th on average, 35 pieces of music per episode. Wow. 
and at least one of those in every episode was brand new, written specifically for that episode. Yeah, I mean, there was there was constant, and it was done with a, a full orchestra and yeah. all that stuff. Um, the three leads um, who were um, uh, Rob Paulson, um, Tress McNeil, and um, Jess Hartman. Jess Hartman. Jess Hartman. Yeah. Um, they actually reunited. They were allegedly reuniting in 2016 with an orchestra to do the show. They've done live shows. shows. They have they? done it, have they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I remember reading about them at the time, thinking, "Fucking, no, that'd be good," but it's Broadway, and we don't live anywhere near Broadway. Um, yeah. So, but I remember seeing that, and thinking, "Fucking, no, I'll get them. That's amazing." And they they were talking about no. They hadn't updated the, the president's song, so it still stopped at Clinton because that's when it was written. Yeah. But they're doing these live and doing Q&As and stuff like that. And so I didn't realize that I actually started doing them, but I remember them talking about them at the time. And thinking, fucking hell. No. F- first off, thinking, oh, well, it's going to be all right, but it's going to be a bit synthy and a bit poppy, but yeah. not full orchestra. Wow. Um, and that's incredible. Um, so, yeah, I mean, that was... Um, that was an incredible thing. And to, to look at that, and the, again, the amount of effort and the amount of confidence that that um, they must have had in the product to let that sort of money be spent. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And and not just the confidence in the money, like, I guess they get away with it because it's animation and you you can sort of say, oh, I I guess they were banking on maybe people wouldn't go after them, but they skewered so many things in these songs. How the hell they did not get you, Disney especially, gets beaten week after week I after week. I think they did parodies of pretty much every Disney film that was around at the time. So they did Beauty oh, and the, the Beast. The princesses got yeah. hammered. Um, I know they did Beauty and the Beast. Um, they did The Lion King. Yeah. Um, they just lampooned everything. These, these... But I think the, the way they got around it, and I think it probably wasn't uh, to you know, to Disney's liking, but the fact that they skewered their own product as well. Yeah. That they kind of were, well, which Everything's a target. Yeah. We're, it's we're going the South Park mentality. Yeah. Everything's a target. Everything or nothing, which I yeah, fully yeah. agree with. I've got totally, to be honest. yeah. Um, but yeah, it was like, well, we're ripping our stuff as well, so you can't say it's, we're discriminating against you because we're going after our own product. I mean, there's there's one specific one that I remember being the, the Disney fanboy that I am. Um, that I actually rewatched it when when we were preparing for this. There is a whole parody song um, based around just around the Riverbend, yeah, and Pocahontas, uh, where they go through explaining that they think basically every Disney princess movie is the same, yeah. and it's just another heroine, and they name check every single one, <laughs> draw their likenesses, but they get away with it by working them into sentences in the song. So yes. they don't say Belle, they yes. will work Belle into a word in yeah. the song. If you haven't seen it, you're not sure what we're on about YouTube, it's, it's readily available. Yeah, a lot of this stuff, it's, it's difficult to get full episodes of Animaniacs on YouTube just because it's still actually a licensable product. It's yes. on Netflix, there are DVDs on sale, whereas... Some of the other cartoons that we've talked about have now been long since abandoned. Yes. Whereas this is still so popular that it's available. However, there are segments. People will constantly chop out their favourite bit and there are segments all over YouTube. If you just search Animaniacs, there's a lot of this stuff available. That's it. Absolutely. I couldn't recommend it. It's probably the best afternoon you'll have. Just watching all that. Just watching it. And you'll you'll have one and there'll be a link to another one, another one, another one, and you'll just keep going. And because of the format of the show... It's fine to do that. Yeah, because you, because don't, you don't lose anything. It's not as if, no. fuck, I've got to sit there for 25 minutes. No. You've, no, two, three minutes. And like, no, even the stupid ones, like the Wheel of Morality and things like that, yeah. they mean nothing and they have no context, they have no place in the show, but they're just amusing. It's, it's essentially a sketch show. Yeah, that's it. It's, it's so a variety can, show. Yeah, you, you can drop in on a two-minute segment from one yeah. episode and then catch a five-minute segment from another episode. And 
Yes, uh, in in episodes there will be recurring gags. Yeah, they, I mean, Animaniacs uses the rule of threes a lot. There yes. are a lot of recurring gags, particularly in the Warner's sections throughout the episodes. But you're not going to miss anything if you don't see the payoff to the other two. It's funny the first time. Yeah, it's funnier the second, and it's hilarious the third. Yeah, you know, so you don't miss anything. That's it. But on the flip side of that, it's not as if you're looking for that either. As a yeah. as a as a viewer, you're not going, "All oh, right, that, that's what they're setting up for the next time." It comes out of completely nowhere. Yeah. I think, you know, as I said, you know, looking at it now, say twenty years later, having a completely different understanding and a different reading of it, it still stands up and it's still brilliant. It's absolutely genius, and and ironically, you know, looking back on it, and this is what really got me into the show this the second time around as an adult. Um, I originally disliked the Warners, as I say, as characters immensely. I didn't like the designs. I thought they were all tiny. I thought they were for kids didn't like them at all. Uh, however, I was drawn to some of the shorts. Watching it back now, it is those Warner segments that are absolutely the stars of the show. I, I kind of like it too. If you go to like a comedy club, um, so rather than going to see an act doing stand-up, you go to yeah. a comedy club and you might have a three or four Multiple acts. Comedians, and yeah. you'll have a compare or you'll have an MC. They ge- they will generally be better than what you're seeing. Yeah. But they don't get the credit because they're the one, they're, they're, they're tying the band. together. Yeah. But without them, it's not really much of a show. And they're kind of what the Warners do for me. Um, and they originally weren't the, the plan was for somebody else to to introduce the show and to present it and they mm-hmm. would effectively just pop up and ruin things while they were running around the lot trying to um, escape from being caught yeah. and I'm glad they went away from that because they they added so much to the comedy just through you know, the raised eyebrows the, the fourth wall and stuff like that which you probably wouldn't have got if you if you presented it as if it was a standard, a standard variety show where I'm going to come on and I'm going to talk to you off an auto queue and then I'm going to walk off and you're going to watch a show yeah. and then I'm going to come back on. It wasn't that great, everybody. Uh, round of applause. Here's your next one and I'll fuck off again. Yeah. And I think they, because you had these complete idiot characters who yeah. were cheap, well, comic genius, but they were portrayed as being just socially idiotic. Yeah. That paid off because it it allowed an older audience to say, oh, fuck no, I'm they, they'll say things that the, the shorts won't. That is the key. That's they, where they're it able from. to get away with this innuendo because yeah. they, they're socially inept and yeah. therefore kind of innocent. That's it. I mean, the, 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 I think I said earlier the story was that they were locked in the, in the, in the water yeah. tower for however many years and they escaped. And now that now this was them running riot, but also introducing these new characters. You couldn't yeah. have had the innuendos that you had in Picking the Brain or in. No, um, it wouldn't have worked. It wouldn't have flowed. Maybe no. with Slappy Squirrel to a point. Yeah. Um, but again, they'd been kind of dated, whereas, as I said, the Warners could get away with anything. Yeah, they absolutely could. And as I say, just to take it that step further then, it's like they set the gag up, the gag goes over, and then Yafko will specifically acknowledge exactly what they've done. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> it just, it sends it home brilliantly. You yeah. know, if the gag wasn't enough, it's the fact that they knew exactly what they were doing at the time. Oh, God, yeah. That's it. And, I mean, I talked about the design of them, so obviously it's like the, the original concept that they were ducks, but... If you compare the design of the Warners against some of the early, um, like early Goofy drawings, yeah, um, that kind of yeah, you thin can, black arms and so the, the very definite face, see early Walt Disney in yeah, those designs. Really. That's it, and again, that's probably a very deliberate choice. It's probably a bit of a fuck you. Um, it, it, it's definitely a fuck you because more so than Goofy and anything like that they they look very similar to Oswald the Rabbit. Well, they, yeah. they're almost identical in some cases. Yakko, if you put Yakko next to Oswald, they are very yeah. very similar. Uh, yeah, so I mean, it's some some of that sort of stuff. So you know, it's not coincidence. So it's it's all been yeah. it's all been done by design a million times over. Yeah, um, and yeah, it's just that's I just find it amazing. Um, 
going through some of the other things, I said some of the stuff you found out about Nintendo Web, and I said I've not thought about this for a while. I was going, just going back and watching some of some of the characters you had. You know, Doctor Von Scratch and Sniff. Again, a complete you, you. It's a complete nonsense. You wouldn't do it now. You wouldn't get away with it now. No. But because of the type of show it was, they can do it. They could yeah. do it. Um, but I hadn't realised that half the cast of The Simpsons were the original voices as well. I did not know um, that. Either. Nancy Cartwright. I knew Nancy Cartwright was in it. Yeah. yeah. Tress McNeil. Um, who else was there? There were a couple. Um, oh, sorry. Just while I'm reading this, I mean, it was a John Lennon impression that Wacko was always doing. It was John Lennon. Yeah. It's okay. a, it's a good idea. Um, I mean, but, why? But what a weird choice. It's a very I mean, strange. Jess Hartnell is American. What? And and both of the other Warners are American. Yeah, exactly. It doesn't make a lot of sense. Um, and when you look at Wacko as a character, you don't instantly think Liverpool. No, you don't. <laughs> it's it's such a bizarre. I mean, it works. It, I, it, I can't imagine Wacko not being Liverpoolian. No, but I, I don't, if they'd gone down the route of making him sound generic American like the rest, yeah, it wouldn't have made a blind bit of difference. The no. comedy would still be there. They didn't really play off the fact that he was different, if I remember, or he had a, no, an exact horrible accent. Yeah, that, that accent makes him more laconic, and as a character, none of them are. No. And, and specifically not Wacko. That's right. <laughs> so uh, it's, it's weird. Yeah, it is. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just really bizarre. It's like some of the choices there. It was obviously a choice that was made. Now, somebody, no, nobody would have just gone on the first day of recording, oh, by the way, I'm going to be a scouser today. It's one of those things that must have just happened. Surely Jess must have just gone up to the microphone one day and it yeah. came out. That's it. Sure. There'll have been a delivery of our line somewhere and everybody cracked up and they go, yeah, do that. Keep on doing that. I um, mean, um, I don't know how well you're you're versed in, in Jess Hartnell, but he is actually frontman of a band called uh, Rock Sugar. Right. Well. And he has a whole other career where he covers other people's songs as other singers. Oh, okay. So he does musical impersonations. So I've no doubt that he was just pissing around and cracked out a yeah. man impersonation, Probably. perhaps. Um, or maybe he did it for one of the songs, I don't know. But yeah. something must something have happened stuck. somewhere and they just went, that's it, that's his voice. Because that can't be it. Yeah, the, uh, if, uh, as far as conscious choices went with the show, I can't imagine that being one of them. No. I said I may be wrong, I wasn't there. So. Yeah, you never know what's going to go on in a, in a, in a creative a, meeting like especially that. Especially when you've got this sort of product, which is going to be so off the wall anyway and so energetic that's yeah. the thing and that voice is so laid back yeah it, it's, it's weird yeah it, it is, is quite weird. a strange one um, so yes we'll talk a bit about the show just at the background of it it aired um, from originally from 1993 to 1995 um, on um, on Fox Kids yeah. um, so, but they did what they um, same thing as um, was done with the Batman animated series they, they, they deliberately made enough episodes to syndicate it from season one so they had a single series which ran for 69 episodes. Right. So then they went straight into syndication and they could keep on repeating it over and over again and then selling it off everywhere else into the local stations, wherever else. Um, in uh, 1995, from 1995 to 1998, it went to um, WB Kids, um, which I think went on to become CW, possibly. It did, yeah. Um, but by that time, it, it kind of dwindled. It was it's still had another 30 episodes, but it kind of dwindled because the cost of making these shows as opposed to the import, importing things like yeah. Pokemon and stuff, which were becoming popular, it just became too much to handle. And so, you know, dipping audience shares and things like that, it didn't really help it. And the mm. fact it was dumped onto the kids' channel as opposed to, uh, as opposed to on a mainstream Fox channel made it a bit difficult as well. Yeah. Um, so, yes, I mean, that was a shame. But so they did 99 episodes. Um, now, for us, it was on CITV, wasn't it? This was an ITV show. Yeah, it was a show. It was Saturday morning ITV show, and then it sort of yeah. popped up on Tuesday afternoons and things like that. They, they yeah. kind of went, right, we'll introduce it on a Saturday, and then we'll run it out 
whenever the hell whenever you can. Whenever you can, yeah. Because um, I'm sure it sort of appeared on like a Tuesday afternoon or four. Yeah, I remember it being on kind of late afternoon, early evening. Yeah, once, it was usually the last, the last show they'd do before, yeah, yeah. Um, before the Kids TV segment finished. Um, so yeah, I mean, that was kind of, again, it's, it seems to be the way that um, WB marketed a lot of stuff was that we'll give you a full run straight away. Mm. Because then that way you'll keep on playing it, you'll keep on paying us. Yeah. And it'll keep on doing well. Um, but see, by the time it went to um, Kids WB, let's um, see, you'd already had the spin off Pinky in the Brain um, and Pinky, Pinky Almira in the Brain, which is a spin off crossover with Tiny with Tunes. Tunes. Yeah. Um, and I never really, I only saw a couple of those, but they, I, for me, they never really landed. I think the, the problem, um, and it, this happens a lot with, with um, sort of secondary characters in film and TV and stuff like that. Pinking the Brain in five-minute segments yeah. as a support act is hilarious. Pinking in the Brain every week for 25 minutes yeah. is a one-trick pony and it doesn't stretch. That's it. And then we tr- by trying to add a, effectively a tertiary character, because Elmira wasn't even a very good supporting character in no, no. Tiny Toons. Um, but you try to, try to bring a dynamic which doesn't work because you've got two lab rats, lab mice, and then a girl who loves animals who will effectively smother them like the kid in Finding Dory. Yeah. Um, there was no, there was no, apart from the fact they were animals and she loved animals, there was no natural juxtaposition. No. And it just felt very forced having her in that situation. But I said you needed something to spread out the stories a little bit. They'd have been better off producing a series of, I don't know, five minute shorts, but produce a hundred of them and show four a week. Yeah, I mean, in, in short segments, they I mean they did so much with those characters, Pinky and the Brain. I mean, I remember there being musical segments with Pinky and the Brain. I remember oh, yeah. They, I remember there being uh, segments which was literally just brain addressing camera as mm. a dictator. Yeah. But once you stretch the show up to 20 minutes, you can't do that. No, you need a story every week. It's a beginning, a middle, and an end, yeah. and you lose that sketch comedy. And they are essentially caricatures, both of those. Yes, that's it. And once you start stretching it out, and every week's just another plot to take over the world. Yeah. It kind of falls off. It does, and I think the problem that had is, as I said, it, when that was spun off, um, and then they had their own spin off, it was initially quite successful. But then I think again, people, it put people off because mm-hmm. it wasn't, it didn't have the sort of the zing and the punchiness of what you had in Animaniacs. Yeah. So that that sort of faltered. Animaniacs itself faltered because its core audience was getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, they, they weren't so no, you weren't getting the younger kids coming through and still watching it because they were now into Pokemon and stuff like that. So all of a sudden you had these so all these factors affecting your, your viewing figures to a point where they went, you know what, just knock it on the head, it's not, yeah, it's not yeah, worth it's too paying expensive. for it. Um, they finished off um, with a film in 2000 called Wacko's Wish, I think it was. Um, just looking at, yeah, Wacko's Wish. Um, a king, um, an evil king comes to take over Acme Falls and uh, Warner find out about a star that will grant a wish to the first person that touches it. So the Warners, the villagers with the Animanius cast and the king all the ways to get to it first. Um, and that kind of tied up everything in a nice yeah. little bow to finish off the show. Um, never saw it. No, I've never seen it. I'd imagine it's fucking hilarious in its own way and equally crap in its own way. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can't. I don't know if I want an Animaniacs film. The problem with it is to have an Animaniacs film, it's got it to be a war story. It's got to be a war yeah. story. They've kind of put a story there, but the whole, as, as we said, the, the beauty of Animaniacs was that it wasn't just the story every week. No. You, no, you had these segments which might be a song, a one-liner, a look to the camera, or yeah. a, a fairly short story to link all these other ones together. 
but it hinged on the fact that you were effectively comparing for these other stories. And as Pinky and the Brain fell down, and as Pinky and Myron Brain fell down, you can't sustain a longer version of that without some detriment to product. No, I, d I don't think so. I, I don't know if I want 80 minutes in the company of the Warners. That's it. And like you look at some of the, sort of the adult cartoons that have come since, like you look at um, like South Park did their movie, and it was kind of a stretch. It was a long episode, and it kind yeah. of a stretch. And the later ones they've done, they've done them as... Multiple episodes. episodes. yeah. So, like, Imagination. Imagination Land? Yeah. That was three episodes or four episodes. You had um, you had the Coon part one and two. Um, and they realised it was very difficult to sustain that sort of energy over the same amount of time, but yeah. as, as a, as a one-off. Um, Family Guy have done it with Star Wars spin-offs in it, which were fucking yeah. horrendous. Yeah. Um, just because you need those sort of short bursts and you need that break. An episode of a cartoon isn't supposed to last you more than sort of 20, 25 minutes because at that point your brain starts kicking in again and going... Hang on a minute. That's a talking rabbit. Yeah, yeah. That's a talking dog. Yeah. That's an alcoholic baby or whatever. No. That's yeah. yeah. You, whatever you, it you is. You need yeah. to draw that line somewhere. Your brain starts to kick in. It's hang on. You know that's not. You can't really engage with that. And then especially when the story is quite weak anyway. I mean, the Wacko's Wish story sounds fairly horrendous. It's paper thin. Let's be honest. Um, yeah. So. It, it's it kind of sounds like it's just like we've got people under under contract. We've got people under license. Yeah. Um. The big the big drawback was it co it it costs um and with a couple hundred jobs. Wow. Um, when Animaniacs went. Um, according to Wikipedia, I may be wrong, and mm. please don't sue me, Spielberg. Um, I haven't got anything to sue me for, but still. Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it kind of sounds like, no, it, it just kind of sounds like they, they weren't allowed to finish the way they wanted to finish. Yeah. Um, and I think that's quite disappointing. Um, but yeah, it was it was one of those shows that say, you, you go back to it now and you think, well, good hell. Yeah, yeah. I mean, they, there has been multiple talks of the reboot as well. Yes, it? come back on, on not finishing the way they want to finish. And I suppose, again, because of the format of the show, as long as they ring true to that, and as long as they keep it as this kind of sketch format, it's a very easy reboot. There's no need to tell a whole new story. There's no need to introduce these characters again. You, you just, just carry go on. for it. You just yeah. carry on as, as if there's no there's not been a gap in the middle. Yeah, um, that's right. And I think no, I think there's. Probably more of an appetite for it now than um, than you ever had. I'd certainly watch a new season of Animaniacs. Absolutely, no problem at all. That's it. And I mean, I think the difference is as well because of the time it was. There wasn't sort of such oversaturation. Like you look at stuff like South Park and Family Guy and things now. There's a lot of adult animation now. Yeah. There's a lot of adult animation, but the the way it spun off into merchandising and computer games and apps and T-shirts and all the rest of it. You didn't kind of you didn't get that. There were there were some computer games. Yeah, I remember um, a SNES game specifically. Yeah, I mean we'll we'll, we'll talk about that in a second. On, but so there were there, there were various computer games, and even to a point where there was a, a tendon bowling game on the PlayStation, which had their name on it. And, it was, right. and so they animated the characters in for it. Was nothing to do with Animaniacs. It was just you know. Yeah, it was stick just, them on. Yeah, just, just kind of chuck them on. I mean, there, there's a whole merchandise section on um, on Wikipedia and talks about some of the DVDs and stuff like that. Um, but video games, you had. Uh, PC game Animaniacs Game Pack in '97, Konami's Animaniacs for Super Nintendo in '94. That's what I remember. remember. I yeah. remember that one as well. More modern versions include Animaniacs: The Great Edgar Hunt, whatever that was. Animaniacs: Light Camera Action. Um, there were other games on the Sega Genesis, which was like Mega Drive. Mega Drive, yeah. Um, so it may not have made it over here. In that case, it may have. They may have not no, there's, I, I, there's definitely an Animaniacs game on the Mega Drive as well. Okay. Um, Genesis was just a different naming convention. The system was yeah. exactly the same. Yeah, it's just sometimes you 
they're, they're different territories about different things. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. But then there's a Game Boy version, um, Animaniacs, a gigantic adventure on PC, um, and then I say Animaniacs Ten Pin Alley for PlayStation. On a Pinky in the Brain, Pinky in the Brain, the Master Plan game for Game Boy Advance in Europe only. Wish I'd seen that. Yeah, don't remember that at all, but I've no. got it absolutely. Absolutely, yeah. So I mean, they kind of spun off, and they said they were things they could have done, but they. You think of the number of songs they had, and now there'd be a playlist on Spotify and iTunes and all the rest of it. There probably is. I, I really should have searched that when we yeah. were researching this. I'm, I'm pretty sure if you type Animaniacs into Spotify, yeah, those songs will pop up. But I mean, mean, there, there are a couple of musical collections. Um, they said um, Yakko's World, 94, Christmas Plots, 95, uh, Animaniacs Variety Pack in 95. Well, back up, there's an Animaniacs Christmas album. Apparently so. Right, find I need that. that in my life. Yeah, well, Santa's coming. Um, a Hip Opera Christmas. <laughs> the Animaniacs. Even the title. <laughs> yeah, I know. Um, the Animaniacs Go Hollywood. Uh, Animaniacs Wacky Universe and the compilation album The Animaniacs Fabu Collection. Now, I'm not being funny, some of those are fucking horrendous, but again, they. they there were bits to it, and I'm, I'm starting to rethink my merchandising point. There wasn't that much. It doesn't be quite a lot, but you look at opera is genuinely brilliant. Yeah, I think we'll have to, <laughs> we'll have to find that one um, again. If we do find it, we'll uh, we'll tweet a link to it. Um, but yes, yeah, so it does seem to be quite a bit. But it seems to be stuff of its time. Like you look at some of the crap you get now. You go to some sort of, you know, comic book shops, and there's you no know, bobbleheads and you no know, statues for oh, everything. Yeah, Funkos and, and yeah, yeah. Yeah, so all the sort of stuff you get now, which you didn't kind of get then. And if they did reboot it, you'd think that there's a very definite. Um, method to be followed there to say look we've, no, we've got all this, this stuff this is what you expect sort of thing yeah, yeah. so I mean potentially I mean um, I say there is there especially if there is a reboot um, there's uh, according to IndieWire in May 2017 Amblin Television and Warner Brothers Animation are in the early stages of developing a reboot of Animaniacs interests are driven by a surge in popularity of the show when it was made available in Net on Netflix in 2016 plus numerous successful projects have revived interest in older shows such as Fuller House and Inspector Gadget so the fact that people, yeah. there is there's this nostalgia for all the shows, which I think is partly driven by people of our generation who remember stuff growing up and there's more access to it now, and partly because of the proliferation of shit like X Factor on TV, where yeah. people are nostalgic for actually produced television, you know, quality scripted entertainment where something happens. It's not just a bunch of tone death wankers. Um, that's my own personal opinion, but it's probably right. Yeah. Um, but yes, yeah, so there seems to be an appetite for it which hasn't existed before, and things like Netflix and Amazon and all the rest, because they, they now have these 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 services, and you haven't got to go and find a DVD or no, go find a video at a convention somewhere. They're readily available. People are now going, hang on, what, what was that show we used to watch? You know, yeah. you know the one with the the rubber lip, the rubber limb ghost fella, and people will remember things. Well, hell, we're basing a whole podcast on that. <laughs> Shh, I wasn't going to mention that. Um, just, just as a side note, a hip opera Christmas is available from third party sellers on Amazon for four pounds ninety eight. Done. Right, I'm glad you're sitting down though. Um, the Animaniacs Go Hollywood is available on Amazon for seventy three pounds and ninety four. Steven Spielberg presents Animaniacs sixteen original songs is available via Amazon for one hundred and twenty seven pounds. Jesus and fuck. thirteen pence. Thirteen pounds makes all the difference. Uh, yeah, I mean the Fabu collection is ninety-four pounds and nine pence. Maybe they're fucking gold or something. Yakko's World, a hundred and twenty-nine pound. Here's the best one: Animaniacs Variety Pack, three hundred and fifty-one pound, eighty-seven pence. See, why do we work for a living? Why do we keep shit like this from our childhood? I mean, fucking hell. I, 
I'm stunned by that. That's I, I am and I'm not because I, I mean I'm interested in hip hop or Christmas because I love Christmas and I love Animaniacs. So put yeah. those two together, great. I'm, I mean I'm, I'll have Christmas music on from middle of November. So I'm all over that. I've, I've got to say I'm not a massive fan of Christmas music, but on my play my recommended playlist yesterday on Apple Music there was a um, a skate punk Christmas compilation, which is all you know Blink One Eight Two Christmas songs. I should yeah, have that. Yeah. I, was like, I didn't know they existed. But there's fucking millions of them. Uh, I I have my own compilation that I made full of pop punk Christmas music. Yeah, no, you can share that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, yeah so it'll it's... be a lot cheaper than the one you want to buy, I guess. Oh yeah, but, but yeah, I, I'm I'm generally going to pick up a hip hop for Christmas. Oh fuck yeah! But I'm picking it up because it's five pound. I'd probably go up to about twenty quid. I don't even know if I got that quid for. for a CD. Well, that's let it. alone three hundred. But I guess it just goes to how much love this still is. Well, that's it. I, th- I think the. Yeah, I think there is. I think just think there's a, a massive appetite for it. And the fact that, that there's something else I read um, when we were researching this, that it's one of the earliest shows to have an internet fandom. That doesn't surprise me. Again, like I say, there are Animaniacs memes all over the internet. Yeah. Just because these gags lent them, they were so quick, yeah. they're very easy to make a gif out of. And so there are tons of them everywhere. That's it. And it, it is amazing. And so they... They was talking about there was one of the first websites which I can't find the link to now. It's on the Wikipedia page if you are looking at it. It's on there. Um, but yeah, I mean the, the fact that you had, I say it was, I say it was the second most popular show in America amongst two to eleven year olds. There were two 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 de- uh, two demographics that it was second to Power Rangers in, which was the two to eleven bracket, which is a massive bracket. Yeah. When you consider all the sort of preschool stuff, you had like Sesame Street and Barney and shit like that as well. And then the six to eleven bracket, which was kind of where you'd expect them to be pitching it, or where they'd, you'd, they'd have pitched so Tiny Toons too. Yeah. So they they were massive in both of those, and then to get this sort of postgraduate level of of sort of follower as well, that's where the internet fandom would have come from because it would have been at a time where the internet would have been in its infancy, the public internet would have been in its infancy, infancy yeah. around about sort of ninety five, ninety six. Yeah. And all these people coming out of college, going, I know how to do that. I'm going to make a website so I can share all my favorite insults from Animaniacs. To a point where you now all the stuff you get now, where you know, people are calling each other whores on Facebook and stuff like that, that all stems from the fact that people would have made chat rooms yeah, yeah. just to share Animaniacs insults. Yeah. And it's amazing. Um, and it's, uh, I mean, we, we talked before we started that the impact this show had and stuff, we didn't know how well it had done sort of commercially and critically as well. Mm-hmm. But the fact it has these sort of social impacts as well, it's absolutely amazing. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's definitely, I reckon there is probably stuff that kids today are saying to each other that stem from Animaniacs oh, that God, they yeah. don't even realise No, that's from it. Animaniacs. That's it. Um, I mean, every one of these characters had a catchphrase. Yes. Which made for a show full of... I mean, how many segments were there in total? It must have been six or seven different segments. I was, was, was going to say eight. Um, what do we have? We had we had the Warners. It was Piggy and the Brain. <laughs> you had um, Buttons Piggy and Kaboom. Mindy. Yeah, Buttons and Mindy. Buttons and Mindy. Slag Squirrel. Yeah. Um, let's just see characters. Um... The Good Feathers. Ah, The Good Feathers, uh, yeah. Rita and Runt. Yeah. Chicken Boo. I don't remember Chicken Boo. Chick, do you not remember Chicken no, Boo? It had a brilliant song. Which one was that? Um, so Chicken Boo is a chicken. Just a chicken. He's a giant chicken. Nothing else special about him. Mm. But he's kind of like Mr. Ben in that every week he'd put a different outfit on. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and the song was like, you think you're a man, but you're a chicken boo. It, it, it was brilliant. Like one week he'd I be a cowboy know. chicken, then he'd be a spaceman chicken. But he was always... Just a chicken. He couldn't yeah. talk. Couldn't. <laughs> yeah. Just a chicken. Yeah. So you also then, I, I, I do remember how you said, I don't remember the song. We also had um, Flavio and Marita, who were the hip hippos. Yeah. Um, well, that sounds a little better. Uh, the Wrath of the Security Guard. Um, 
And they kind of weren't their own thing, though. Yeah. So. But then you had um, Ottoman Scratch and Sniff and Hello Nurse, which is where the catch credits came from. Again, yeah. kind of the, the Warners. Yeah, it's a Warners skin, catchphrase, Hello Nurse. Yeah. So, so, I mean, yeah, you're talking six it's or like seven. eight, I think. Yeah. I think that was eight, I just counted. Yeah, so, I mean, there's there's a whole world of, of new characters that were introduced. Yeah. And to run across, well, under episodes, effectively, because you had 99 NFL. You know, the fact that you had these characters and they, kept, they had that longevity is amazing. And as you said, they there will be people who don't realise where a lot of this sort of stuff that gets said now comes from. I mean, flat out, if if I if anybody around me is asked, what are we going to do today? Yeah. If the response isn't instantly trying well, to take it. over the world, I, I don't want to know those people. No, they, that's they it. have no place in my social circle. I, I actually did that a couple of years ago. There was um, a girl I used to be friendly with when I was in uni, and we you know, there was a group of us used to go out, and she she asked one. I said, so in the pub one afternoon, she said, oh, "What are we do tonight?" I said. Same thing you do every night, try to take over the world. And she looked at me as if I had six heads. I don't think I spoke I mean, to her again after is, that. What is wrong with these people? <laughs> everybody else around the table was like, okay, yeah, okay, we get it. No, yeah, it's, it's never going to get a laugh yeah. because it's now so well accepted but, that that is the yeah. response to the question. But this, she looked at me as if I had six heads. I'm like, seriously, you don't re- No, what's that from? I was like, yeah, fine. Uh, after mean, that, it, 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 there was a very sort of diminishing friendship after that point because I was just like, yeah, there's a, a fun, there's a fundamental part of my character which involves ripping on TV shows. If you don't get it, I'm, I'm kind of wasting my time. I, I mean, I think even at, even at this point though, like with the with the pinky and the brain thing, it's not just that you're ripping on a TV show. It is that that is just that has entered everyone's vocabulary now. Yes. Whether you watch the show or not, you know the answer to what we're going to do today is yeah. the same thing we do every day, try to take over the world. Yeah, that's, that's it. just the answer to the question. Yeah, doesn't matter what the question is. No, that is the answer to the question. Yeah, so, yeah, um, it's one of those, you just have to, as I said, it, it's it's kind of part of, every, of, of everything. It's permeated sort of a lot of culture. Um, but yeah, it's, 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 it's amazing. And I so said, we are 20, 24 years on. Jesus, which is really fucking scary, um, and yeah, we're still no, we're still talking about it as you know, as as a show that's fairly relevant. I, I think it is still relevant. As I say, a lot a lot of its touchstones now are dated. Um, but I, so I think in, I think the subjects are dated, but the, as I said earlier, the humor. Its isn't. core essence, yeah, yeah, is still every bit as good as it was. Yeah, and I mean, like the, there was some of the the nods of Clinton were sort of you know, like, around the Lewinsky sort of time, and there was some. Sort of, Hints about his character and him being a slightly electric old man. You change that for Harvey Weinstein, or you change that for Donald Trump, and, and it still it, works. It still works. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I, I think that's kind of that's kind of where it, where it fits in. And people, you could effectively reanimate any one of those skits yeah. with one of those characters in, and people would understand what you're talking about. Totally. Even if the even if you use the same dialogue and just change the name. Well, I mean, the dialogue was key to it because so much of the comedy is is actually pan led or yes. innuendo led. Yeah. And that, that's never not going to work because words don't go away. No. That's a it. pun will always be, if it's funny at all, so, I mean, bad puns. There's no such thing as a bad pun. It's just how they're received. Yeah. So a pun's always going to be a pun. That word isn't going to go away. No, that's it. You know, it's not going to cease to be funny. And likewise, innuendo, like, it's a primary part of our human function. Yeah. That that we procreate. So innuendo is always going to be hilarious to us because it's always going to be slightly risque and slightly taboo. Yeah, and even to a point where you get some mainstream radio stations, certainly in the UK, playing innuendo bingo, where they go through yeah. other clips and they play clips of other radio stations unknowingly broadcasting innuendo. Yeah. And from interviews and things like that. So it's, again, possibly 20 years ago you wouldn't have had that because of the sort of the social etiquette, but at the same time, because it became so acceptable through shows like this and primarily this one, mm. It's now very acceptable. 
Yeah. I mean, there's a whole, I, I specifically remember a whole segment um, with, in the show, it was Beethoven. Um, yeah, so in the show, there was a segment with Beethoven. And it was the fact that he was a pianist. Yes. Now, it doesn't have to be Beethoven. You yeah. can put anybody in front of that piano and the gag's still going to land because he's still a small pianist. Yes. And it, 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 that is just the way the show was written. The, it, the quality of the gags are hilarious. And as I say, if they don't land, you're on to the next one straight away. Yeah, it doesn't matter. No, because they're so rapid fire. But what you tended to find with those as well is that they, if they didn't land and you were into the next one straight away, they'd do it again and it would land. Yeah. And chances are you missed it rather than not appreciating it the first time around. Yeah. So, I mean, it's... Yeah, as, as you said, you know, a, a small penis is never and it's, always funny. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Um, but talking about so how, we, how it was received, um, i say it was, very, it was immensely popular. Say it was, in America, it was the second most popular kids' show um, between 93 and 95 behind Power Rangers in varying demographics. Um, and it's the reason that Fox Kids did so well and, and developed so well. Mm-hmm. And... Um, it, was, it was always up against the Disney afternoon stuff they said like Darkwing Duck and Goof Troop um, which yeah. over here were always weekend shows but in America they were on the afternoon yeah. stuff like that but they no, they were out viewed so like three to one um, it just people weren't buying and I think the people who were tuning into the Disney stuff were, were, was potentially that parents didn't want their kids exposed to yeah. something that was a little bit edgier and a little bit more crude yeah um, uh, so the, on on Kids WB, so when it went to uh, Kids WB in '95, Animaniacs gathered about a million children viewers each week. Wow! So that's not counting no, that. I presume that's households. That's households. Yeah. So yeah. that's not counting the parents who'd been watching. It's not counting the students and the the professionals and the adults who were watching as yeah. well. A million children viewers a week. Jeez. And that's incredible, especially given that this was not 1995 to 1998. Yeah. Um. So um. Oh, and, and it says here as well, in 1995, more than one-fifth of the weekday and uh, Saturday morning audience figures for Animaniacs were 25 or over. So oh, there the, you go. It, it had massive appeal across yeah. the board. Uh, not only that, it's, um, it did fantastically well in terms of critical acclaim as well, which I hadn't realised. Um, and it's one of those I never really... Sort of, you don't hear so much about some children's TV awards and things yeah. like that. Um, but its first major award came in '93 when it won a Peabody Award in its debut season, which again, massive in America. Yeah. Um, nominated for two Annie Awards for Best Animated Programme and Best Achievement for Voice Acting. Um, it won Daytime Emmys, um, won awards for score, for animation. I say it, it, across the board for the um, for the six, seven, well, six or seven years it ran, yeah. it just swept the board. It was no, any time it was up for anything, it, 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 won. it, it pretty much None of up. that surprises me, as I say, when you look at no. the quality of where everybody's just brought their A-game to this product. Yeah. The writing team are firing all cylinders. The music is incredible. Uh, the performers. The performers, yeah. Everything is firing all cylinders all the time. Yeah. Um, and on top of that, so coming away from that, the, the, the last episode was 98, the, the movie in 99 or 2000, whenever it was. In 2009, IGN named it the 17th best animated television series of all time. And in 2013, Animaniacs was listed on TV Guide's 60 greatest, 60 greatest TV cartoons ever. Right. So, you know, I mean, even 20 plus years on, it's still being regarded, still being as, regarded. as this massively important show. And I think in terms of animation, it's probably only The Simpsons that outstrips it in terms of its cultural uh, significance to present day. Yeah. I mean, you, know, you look at what we talked on um, Who Wins about the Flintstones and the Jetsons and people mm. like that. They very much dated, whereas because things like The Simpsons and this ran for so long, and there are bits of it which aren't really rooted in there are always bits which are rooted in current events, but there's enough of it in there which is just story that. 
yeah. that you can put it on now as easy as 20 years ago and it still stands up. Yeah. And I think that's um, there aren't many shows that can say that. No. Uh, it, it definitely does still stand up. It's still hilarious. Um, and I, I don't see that that will ever age. As you say, the Flintstones ages because it is, it's very much a product of its time and it was about a nuclear family then. Whereas this is just about pure, it's pure comedy. It's a sketch show. Yeah. And that's not going to age in the same way that live action sketch shows, you can still watch ones from the 50s, 60s, and they're still funny. Yeah. Because, because funny's always funny. Yeah, that's it. I mean, it's, it's where sitcoms age in a particularly bad, a particularly poor way against yeah. Metro because sitcoms are always socially relevant. There's, there's always a point where even, even stuff like, um, if you think of the Flintstones and Jetsons being animated sitcoms, they're very much rooted in a particular place and a particular status quo. So the Flintstones, they had, okay, they were ahead of their time as much as they had creatures doing things. You know, in, in their cameras, they had a bird pecking out a picture in a camera. Nobody had mobile phones. Nobody had phone cameras. Yeah. They had record players. You know, they they had um, you know, the, car, the, the cars they had. And don't really see what you can do with that, but you know, everything looked looks very dated now. Even though, I know you said it's, pretty, it's supposed to be prehistoric, but you look at the Jetsons and it's, what was futuristic for some of the 60s, 50s, 60s, 60s yeah. which is very different to where we are now. I mean, of course, even the early 90s future is yeah. very different from where we are now. Mm. So, I mean, that's where um, the, the sitcom type shows will fall down. Whereas, I say, something like this will all will stand the test of time because a joke is a joke is a joke. Yeah. And as long as you don't get to the point where, you know, making a Jimmy Savile joke 10 years ago would, you, would have been quite yeah, funny, yeah. whereas making it now, not so much because people may not appreciate it yeah. because of the social context. Yeah, but generally a joke is a joke, and it's funny for the same reasons. Yeah, wherever wherever period you're in, and I think that's where that's it. That's the genius of this. And so going back to going back to it on Netflix and picking out the odd episode, a lot of it still stands out. And there are some bits which are just completely fucking stupid. Yeah, but they are hilarious because they're because they're intentionally stupid. stupid. Yeah, yeah, I mean you don't you don't get the impression. You look at some things now. You look at some, particularly some of the old British sitcoms from the fifties, sixties, seventies. They're funny now because they were bits that are funny now weren't intended to be funny then. Yeah. But we we read them in a different way. Yeah. Where because of the context and it's 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 always difficult. Whereas stuff like this, it, it knows it's being filthy. It knows it's being really ambiguous. No, really yeah, ambiguous. Yeah. But it gets away with it. Yeah. I and I think at the time it got away with it because we probably were even though it was the nineties we probably were slightly more innocent then to things like this the yeah. internet wasn't such a big thing as you say and I know it was or Gen X and the hard edge 90s but we, we were a little bit more innocent to it and we got away with it and now there is such a love for it yeah. that at this point like the Warners could basically go on a psychotic killing spree and we laugh about it as long as it was presented to us in the right way I'd pay to see that yeah exactly because it's slapstick animation and, 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 and you can pretty much tell the way and if anybody from Amblin or Warners are listening, this is copyright us, go away. Uh, we'll pay us a shitload of money. But if they went after the right people and did something where there was a target on somebody like Donald Trump or yeah. the NRA or reality television or whatever it may be, there'd be an audience for it. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that no, I think I think that's if you were going to reboot, that's the way you kind of bring it up to date without losing your core essence. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. It, it's very easy to update, as we said, because it, it is a sketch show. So you just pick whatever's relevant at the moment and that's start it. skewering it. Yeah, that's it. And because you've got characters who are very much rooted in a place like Slappy Squirrel is, she's a 20s film star or whatever it was. Yeah. She will always have that. She will always films. have that, yeah. So you can bring that character up. You don't have to wait for the character because it's a cartoon, but you bring that character up to now where 
mobile phones and social media and shit like that, and you just lampoon that. Yeah, yeah. And in totally. much the same way, you get the same tone, the same sort of humour. Yeah. But it's rel- it's modern, it's relevant. Uh, same thing, Chicken Boo, you just put him in different situations, different clothes, it's still funny. Good Feathers, again, is rooted in a time and a place and will never not be hilarious. No, that's it. There is something about seeing that Joe Pesci aping pigeon yeah. that's just absolutely hilarious. Yeah, and it still is now. That's the one I went back to this morning, actually, when I was watching it. And you just... There's just again, they're just little bits, but that the way they've the way they've got the characters, you, you wouldn't care what they're doing. No, you wouldn't care if they were shit bombing, you know, a, a, a parade of cars. It's just funny because that's the way they. Know. Well, and, and they're gangsters anyway, so they can, yeah, they can get away with that. Whatever they want, yeah. And, yeah. As long as they're doing it with a cheeky smile and a bad bing, they can that's get away it. with whatever they want. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's uh, that's right. Okay, so kind of where we always wrap these up. Was it worth going back to? absolutely 100% worth going back to. It's better. For me, it's better now than it ever was. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Um, and yeah, absolutely. Seek it out. You don't even have to watch full episodes, as we said. Just type it into YouTube and just cast your eye over Animaniacs. It's it's hilarious. Yeah. Um, that said, if you do want to cast your eyes over it, if you haven't got Netflix or you, you want to go old school and go get a DVD, um, they are they're on Amazon. Yeah, they're on Amazon. They're available in HMV. Uh, for people who don't know what that is, go and buy yourself a fucking clue. Yeah. Um, but they're he, not not scandalously priced on Amazon like the CDs are. They're yeah. about 13, 14 quid a season. Yeah, and you get a full season for that as well. I mean, when they originally released them on DVD, there was a scattering of episodes. You had what they call Volume One. There were sort of yeah. seven or eight episodes, and they weren't they weren't sort of consecutive. They were just chucked on a disc. Um, I think it was about two thousand six or seven. They released them properly mm-hmm. and released them as a proper set. So yeah, go and see it. But, um, but yeah, I'd, I'd agree with that. I think because of the type of show it was, and because of the, the sort of the nature of the comedy we've been discussing, I think it stands up more for me now than it did because I appreciate more of what went into it. It's the same as when you watch like Pixar films and shit like that. Now there's a lot in there for adults because the animators and the, the creators know that adults have to watch these films with their kids. Yeah. Same with a show like this, adults will have to sit there and watch it with the kids. So you need to put something in to keep them keep yeah. them watching it as well. Because if parents don't like it, they're not going to let the kids watch it. So yeah, for me, I I could. Some of the things I found funny the first time round, not so much now. Some of the things I found funny the first time round, I think, oh yeah, that was still really good. Other things that I didn't get at the time. There is new stuff. I'm now thinking, yeah. fuck, yeah, that's brilliant. Yeah. And I think that's kind of where it left me. Um, it's just, let's say it's probably, of all the, sort of the shows we've been back to through this through this podcast and through Who Wins, this is probably the one I've enjoyed the most. Yeah, definitely. Just because I can just, go back to being a kid and laughing my bollocks off at something that's completely stupid. I, I think that's the key with this is um, there are various shows that I would argue are better, that I've enjoyed more from a story perspective, yeah. same as I would have as a kid. But it, just in terms of flat-out enjoyment, I've had a whale of a time re-watching this for this podcast. I have been absolutely rocking with laughter every time I'm watching it. Yeah, It's it's great. Yeah. It's just flat out great. Okay, I think that's us done. Uh, next time we're talking about Thundercats, which is always one of our favourites. Oh, yeah. Um, if you want to drop us a line or you want to get in touch, go through our website at www.ddpodcast.net or see us on Twitter at ddpodcastnet. Uh, until next time, what are we doing? Same thing we do every day, Mark. Try to take over the world. Good night, everyone. Good night, everyone.